Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. Any long-term listener of the program knows I talk about more than just business. We talk about politics and culture and more. One of my favorite people to talk to about all things politics and what's going on in the current events front is my guest this segment, uh, Lee Kaplan. And uh, Lee is uh, a well-known business attorney here in, in the Houston area. And uh, recently, Lee, you changed firms. Uh, why don't you talk real quickly about it? Uh, it, it is getting a lot of buzz. I, and I, I have uh, kept up with your uh, change, and it's very exciting. Well, essentially, with uh, several partners from our old firm, which has dissolved as many of the partners there elected to join a large D.C.-based firm, some of us did not want to do that. We wanted to focus on Houston and uh, uh, we have a smaller, nimble firm. We have uh, six lawyers right now and, and uh, perhaps a couple on the way. But essentially, we're trial lawyers. We do trials and appeals, arbitrations, and uh, uh, mediations. And this is fun. We're all within reach of each other, even shouting distance. Uh, we're at 1001 Fannin, which is a great building. And uh, the name of the firm is Murphy Ball Stratton, which are three of my partners. I'm a senior partner, and I told them they did not need my name in the in the legend for the firm because people know how to find me. It's Murphy Ball Stratton, and our website is mbfsmartlaw.com. Um, Check that out. We want to be smart. We want to be uh, simple and smart and try to be efficient rather than thinking about how can we bill more hours, which is something we we may bill a lot of hours from being busy, but we don't have as our goal in a particular lawsuit to bill extra hours to collect more money from individual clients or corporate clients. We want to be somebody that they think is responsible and is trying to get the job done as efficiently as possible. Yes, very good. Okay, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, headline. Our, our audience, of course, is all over the country. Uh, but uh, it, it, this topic is lo- local. The story has a local appeal, but it has national implication and, uh, implications. And when you talk about Pastor Joel Olstein of Lakewood Church, a lot of people outside of Houston are familiar with him. as a church with 45,000 members. It's extraordinary. Uh, very few churches can uh, take over a professional basketball arena and uh, fill it up every every uh, Sunday, and they easily do that. Um, they had a terrible story though the last few days, and it's captured a lot of attention. Why don't you set the stage for us? Well, actually, this was uh, featured on CNN, and I think discussed by Lester Holt, uh, a woman who has a somewhat disturbing mental history, came into the church uh, during a service that I think was primarily in Spanish. She had a long gun, perhaps a rifle. She had her seven-year-old son with her, and I gather she became somewhat radicalized and thought that uh, uh, her estranged husband, who's Jewish, was too pro-Israel And I'm not exactly sure what motivated her to go into this church, but she went to uh, go shoot people up 
and two uh, off-duty law enforcement people shot her. And in the course, her son was also hit in the head, and apparently he's still in critical condition. So, you know, it's just one of these things where you wonder, how does somebody with a, a spotty mental health history get access to guns? I don't know how that happened, and uh, maybe we'll learn more about it. Uh, apparently, she's also had different names at different times, so uh, it may have been a little difficult to identify her initially. But yes. uh, could have been a lot worse than it was, of course. And uh, you know, one man was wounded uh, and has been released from the hospital. Her son is still in critical condition, and she was killed, which is yeah. you know too bad. It just makes you wonder how people can have so relaxed an attitude about firearms that something like this can happen. I have no idea how this woman got these uh, got access to these weapons. Yeah, including an AR-15. That, to me, is a shocking. Um, and the unfortunately, the, the knee-jerk conventional answer, and by the way, I'm very pro-gun. Anyone knows me knows I'm pro-gun. I'm also pro-common sense. Uh, which doesn't seem to fly as much as it used to. Um, but, you know, the answer, the, the knee-jerk answer for for many conservatives is, oh, you know, they just needed more guns. <laughs> they needed more people there with guns. You know, and I've seen programs that are designed to train people in churches to be uh, equipped with guns, and it's almost like their ministry, and they go through training to prepare. And I've seen where that has worked incredibly successfully. So I'm not I'm not negating that. I am I am negating though the idea of guns alone is is going to be a panacea. Well I was a little surprised that our mayor had so little to say about the fact that a mentally disturbed person had access to guns and particularly a, a rifle. Um I would have expected to hear more from the mayor about that problem and the issue of whether in metropolitan areas we can have a little bit more um, regulation of, of guns. And I do understand the the other argument that uh, we need more guns, but uh, you know this is uh, 2024. It's not 1824, or 1884. It's a little bit scary, and uh, when you have to. If you're in a wreck or somebody runs a red light and you honk at them, you really need to worry that they've got a gun and they're just going to unload on you. We see that happen all the time on our freeways, and it's scary. Yeah, I almost want to get my my, uh, horn uh, uninstalled. (laughs) It's so bad. I'll just pound on my steering wheel. It's that scary. It's very, uh, very out of control out there. yeah, and there seems to be a whole lot of mystery, a whole lot of questions about this case, a lot of unanswered questions. You talked about John Whitmire's last lack of uh, uh, statements regarding it. Uh, and, of course, a lot of conspiracies are popping up, um, even even discussion about whether or not uh, I've seen, and, and, and certainly nowhere legit, I just hear on social media, you know, what, what was this a, a transgendered person, all, all kinds of stuff. And... Uh, um, but, it, you know, it, what I think is most important, and I, I get the sense that is really your focus, is uh, what are we going to do about it? You know, the, the again, the knee-jerk, 
10-second soundbite approach that uh, we particularly hear from those who are pro-gun. And again, I'm pro-gun, but apparently you have to have no rules required to be acceptable pro-gun. What about what's going to be done? And this is different from what we've seen in the past. You know, in the past, it's, it, it's things like uh, synagogues that have been hit or, or Sikh uh, temples or something, you know, uh, specific groups that are targeted. I remember in, in the Gulf uh, during, uh, uh, after September 11th, uh, a lot of uh, 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 Muslim locations were getting hit. And this is just beyond that normal, that I hate to use the word normal, a trend that we have seen for decades. Well, it was a mainstream church, and that's yeah. a little unusual. Uh, but we're in a state where 70% of Uvalde County voted for Greg Abbott even after the Uvalde school shooting. So I don't think anything will be done soon. I don't, I don't see the city as taking any kind of proactive approach about guns. I don't see... Uh, even a discussion of whether uh, the courts ought to uh, be tougher on people who use guns in, in uh, violent, in robberies and the like. So I don't think things are going to change very much. You know, we've yeah. got 30 million Texans, and and uh, uh, an unknown number of them have guns, but I wouldn't be surprised if we have more guns in the state than we do people. And yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. But somehow we have to get control over mentally ill people having access to weapons. And I, I don't understand why that is something that people would be opposed to. Uh, well, we know there are as, almost as many guns in the country as there are people. And I think there's a lot of states where guns are much more hard to come by. So I think Texas probably does have more than its fair share. Right. Well, people like to point to Chicago and say, look, they've got gun control, but look how much gun violence there is. The truth is the borders are open between states, as they have to be. And how many of those guns were purchased in Chicago? Probably not many. There are probably a lot of them that were manufactured in other states, sold and brought into Chicago by people who wanted to have the opportunity to have a weapon. And, you know, in Texas... uh, with open carry and you don't need any kind of training or anything else, I expect there'll be more of these kind of incidents because people who are mentally ill are just not being um, vetted or controlled in their access to guns. And that's not going to change. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think you're right. And I think a serious, I think unfortunately there's going to have to be a lot more lives lost before there's a really serious conversation on this. Thinking is so binary, frankly, on both sides, those who are pro-gun, those who are anti-gun. You know, the anti-gun types are, are, uh, you know, uh, do look at gun laws as a panacea, and the uh, many on the uh, pro-gun side uh, think any gun laws are dangerous. And the truth is, is that there's an answer, or at least a better answer, somewhere between those two extremes. But everyone's so triggered. And so if you talk at all about getting some sense around guns, you are anti-gun. That's just how the, the, the people seem, seem to look at it. That binary thinking that I think has made the country 
very dangerous. It is. And, and, you know, categorizing people that way, black and white, uh, about what they believe is is wrong. But my dad was the National Ropsy Rifle Champion. He always had a rifle in our home, although he kept the ammunition far away from the rifle, and it was hidden. But you're not anti-gun if you think we need to control guns a little bit more. And it's certainly not anti-gun if you think that people have to uh, survive a fairly rigorous background check in order to get access to a gun. It's a little late now because there's so many of them. But these palliative things like gun buybacks, in my opinion, are silly because the only guns that get turned in are guns that quite candidly either don't work or some grandmother turned one in that she found in uh, her grandson's uh, test of drawers, and that person will go buy another. That's right. Or steal another. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting anything to be fixed anytime soon. Yeah, I'm afraid that uh, I have to concur. It's Lee Kaplan, uh, final thoughts. Uh, you did a pretty good job of wrapping it up already, but any final thoughts? No, except that I think if you use a gun in the commission of a crime, every jury should be able to take that into account, and every sentencing should include some reference to that fact. It's a lot harder to keep kill people with a knife and a gun because the gun obviously has a range that's far greater than a knife. Yeah. Makes makes a lot of sense. I am Kevin Price. That guest today, Lee Kaplan, recurring guest in the Price of Business. We're going to have more for you after this on the Price of Business show. <laughs> 